God, that's our prayer. We want every tribe, every tongue, every nation to experience your goodness, to hear about what you did on the cross, Jesus. We know that there's no other name given that can be saved but the name of Jesus, God. And we desire all peoples, all walks of life to experience that, to surrender to that, to know that. So God, we know you're faithful. We know you're working. We've heard stories of miracles and we believe that you move in power. We believe that you will move in power tomorrow and forever. And we ask God that you would reveal yourself, continue to reveal yourself in ways for people to know you, to love you, to give their lives to you. We pray for missionaries that are in different countries, that you would equip them with boldness to go out and proclaim the word without fear. We pray for people that are shut off, that don't have any access to the Bible, that you would speak to them through dreams, you would speak to them through visions. And God, reveal to us how we can be obedient here, how we can be obedient now to be faithful to what you have called us to do. May we not waste another moment, another second without sharing your goodness. Thank you, Jesus. Speak to our hearts today through your word. It's in the mighty name of Jesus we pray. And all God's people said. All right, 1 Kings chapter 18. Last week we, we saw the trouble of Israel making trouble for Obadiah. And we learned last week that Obadiah was in a real hard spot. We learned that Ahab was definitely in a blind spot, and we learned that Elijah was in a good spot. He was in the right spot, and we're going to see how good of a spot he was in now today in 1 Kings chapter 18, verses 20 through verse 40. You've learned this in Sunday school. You've read this story. You know this story, and it's important that we apply this story, and we learn some powerful and important lessons from what happens here in 1 Kings chapter 18, verses 20 through 40. Verse 20, so Ahab sent to all the people of Israel and gathered the prophets together at Mount Carmel. Why Mount Carmel? Why is Ahab willing to gather all the people of Israel for this showdown? He has a lot to lose. He doesn't see that. There's, you know, it's not really a win-win situation for him. Probably whatever would take place was not going to be uh, advantageous to his king leading, his kingship. But nevertheless, he's, a, he's in a blind spot. He moves forward. And so he rallies all the people, musters all the people to gather on Mount Carmel. Why Mount Carmel? That's not an interesting thing. Mount Carmel was was a beautiful spot, is a beautiful spot today. It begins the pine trees of, of Lebanon, that area. The mountains, you go up, you go up, you go up, and all of a sudden you're in the pine area. You go from the valley of that, that is the Rose of Sharon that is right along the Sea of Mediterranean Sea, and then on the other side of Mount Carmel, you've got the Valley of Armageddon, which is really quite interesting. Jezreel, we'll study about in the next couple of weeks, is right down the road. But on Mount Carmel, Ahab had allowed or gave order that it was to be the shrine area for the Baal and the Asherah. 
And so the Baal prophets, the Baal worshipers, the Asherah prophets and the Asherah worshipers, they would gather on top of Mount Carmel to worship. And so obviously Ahab thinks that's a good idea. Now, I think that Ahab thought that the people were so angry at, at Elijah that because of no water, no rain, right? I mean, everyone believed that Elijah was the reason why they had been living for three years without rain. He's to blame. He's the one we're going to go after. And so I think Ahab thought that the work was going to be done for him. An uncontrollable mob would rise up and would just rip Elijah limb from limb. That's what I think Ahab was thinking. What a great deal. It'll be, it'll be on show. It'll be spectacular. We can get them all up there. And everyone will see that Elijah is the troubler of Israel. He's all alone up there on that mount. But we'll see what happens. So that's verse 20. Verse 21. When they get up there, kind of, if you can just think about lots and lots of people. Think about the 450 some odd prophets of Baal. Think about the 400 prophets of Asherah. If you think about the prophet situation, Baal and Asherah, he's outnumbered 850 to 1. Elijah's all by himself at that particular time. And I find it very fascinating that verse 21 happens. That verse 21 takes place. It says, And Elijah came near to all the people, remember, who are hostile towards him. He came near to all the people. So he approached them. He got within arm's reach of them. He got to the place where at least 850 of them could have laid their hands on him and killed him. I mean, at this point, Elijah has got some real faith going on here. He's got some real trust. He's in a right place. He's in a sweet spot in his faith. And Elijah came near to all the people and said, how y'all doing? How's it going? Have you been living well? Are things going well for you? I hear it's been dry. I'm sorry it's so dry. I wish, you know, that we could get some rain. I hear that after this event, there may be a little rain shower come our way. I mean, you would expect there to be some, you know, taking away the emotion a little bit, some small talk. I mean, you know, Andrew Carnegie talked about how to, you know, influence friends and win enemies, right? And, and you're affable, you're nice, you're gracious, you're kind, you're gentle with people, you know, you ask about them, you ask about their families, you, 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 you talk with them, you, you make an attempt to show that you care about them. That's what people do. That's what preachers should do. That's what pastors do. You know, we're so nice and affable and all those kind of things, right? Look what Elijah does. How long? He starts out with, how long? He might as well have said, enough's enough. 
No more lollygagging. No more shilly-shally. You people make me sick. He might as well have said it. He said, how long will you go limping between two different opinions? Think about that statement. These are prophets. These are people. These are men of opinion. And he says, how long is this going to keep on going? How long? He didn't say strutting. He didn't say standing tall. He didn't say, how long are you going to keep up being so you know, high and mighty, having it all together, being in the know, being in power, having great influence in the world? He didn't say any of that. He says, how long will you go limping? He uses the word limping. Not walking tall, not walking straight, not walking confidently, but limping, limping between the kingdom and the world. Remember, it's 8.50 to 1. He's not well liked. Ahab is around. <laughs> this, is, this is a conflict. This is a confrontation. Elijah doesn't have bodyguards. Elijah doesn't have soldiers around him. Elijah only has God. And Elijah just brings it up and says, how long will you go on limping between two different opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal, then follow him. And the people did not answer him a word. He silenced them. I know there wasn't silence before this happened. They were talking about where they're going to eat after this. They were talking about what it's like down south, what the prophet business has been like. These are prophets. These are preachers. These are pastors. You know what they're talking about? How many people come here then preach? There were mega church pastors in this group. There were men of great value in this group. One guy said, man, my congregation bought me a gold-plated chariot last week. I look good. You ought to see my gold. I didn't bring it up here because it gets too rough up here. That's the way that's going on. Did you know so-and-so's a member of our, our church? Yeah. You know, he played for the Cowboys. You know, he was an oil executive. You know, we got, oh, so-and-so. Yeah, that's who we are. We're important. And then all of a sudden, he just walks over there to me. He says, how long will you go on limping between two opinions? I mean, let's, let's just get on with it. Let's get down to the, to, the, to the grass. Let's get on down to it. The nitty-gritty. Either God is God and you worship him, or Baal is God and you worship him. That's what Elijah says. And then they go completely quiet. Why did they go quiet? Why did they become a deer caught in a headline. Maybe it was conviction. Maybe it was conviction. Maybe some of them are in that group saying, you know, I wasn't really for this bail thing, but everybody went for it. You know, I haven't really mattered much in the world, and my mom and dad have never really been proud of me, and I just thought if, you know, since everybody's going bail this year, maybe I ought to go bail, but I'm here to tell you, I've never really, I've never really been all that convicted that that was right. Just kind of thought it was a good way to make a living, thought it was a good way to please people, thought it was a good way for some people to go, a boy, 
You're a bell prophet. Ahab likes you guys. Hadn't rained in a while. I'm not quite sure about that. And so maybe there was conviction. Maybe it was conviction. Maybe they were appalled at how blunt Elijah was. I wonder, would you like Elijah to be your pastor? Would you? The man wore hairy garments and a leather belt. That's all. Hairy garments. They got that cow, that wood or fur, left it on there. He probably didn't brush his teeth much. He probably didn't care much about apparel. He didn't give up on a garment for a little age. He said what he thought. He wasn't one of small talk. I, I see Elijah's funerals being short and to the point. The man was lost. He's in hell. Go eat lunch. <laughs> Wouldn't go over very well, would it? No evidence of salvation in this one. And they spent a lot of money on this funeral. I know what that casket costs. Whew, what, a, what a waste of money that is. Let's go have lunch. Yep, Elijah, verse 31. Verse 21, sorry. Verse 22. Here we begin the showdown. Elijah says to the people, I, even I only, am left a prophet of the Lord, but Baal's prophets are 450 men. Now, here's the instructions. Let two bulls be given to us, and let them choose one bull for themselves, cut it in pieces, and lay it on the wood, but put no fire to it. And I will prepare the other bull and lay it on the wood and put no fire to it. All right, so you're following the instructions. And you will call upon the name of your God, and I will call upon the name of the Lord. And the God who answers by fire, he is God. And all the people answered, it is well spoken. It is well spoken means, all right then. We're good with that. We agree. We're on the same page. It is well spoken. Then Elijah said to the prophets of Baal, choose for yourselves one bull and prepare it first, for you are many, and call upon the name of your God and put no fire to it. And they took the bull that was given to them, and they prepared it and called upon the name of Baal. Listen to this. From morning until noon. That's a long time. That's six hours or so. Saying, oh, Baal, answer us. But there was no voice and no one answered. And they limped around the altar that they had made. That is the definition of idolatry. That's the definition of idolatry. That's a lesson to be learned there. Man, if you're worshiping idol. If you're giving in to idolatry, you're limping. You're limping. You're like James when he talks about being tossed to and fro in the, in the ocean because you ask for wisdom without faith. It's a bad place to be in, and these prophets of Baal are in that place. They limped around the altar that they had made, and at noon, Elijah mocked them, saying, 
Listen to what he says. Cry aloud, for he is a God. Either he is musing or he is relieving himself. The word of God. Elijah, one of the great prophets. Elijah was on the Mount of Transcend. I can't say the word, but you know, Transfiguration. He was on the Mount of Transfiguration. He's an important person. This important person, this great prophet says, he may be musing himself, or he is using the bathroom. That's what Elijah says to these guys. And he waits six hours, so before he says it, they're spent. They've been limping around the altar. Oh, God, please. Oh, Baal, please show up. Bring fire down. Do something. Show up here. Show that you're God. Nothing. No word. No activity. Nothing. They're just, they're out of, I guarantee they're out of gas. And then Elijah speaks up and says, yep, Baal must be taking the, the constitutional. Or he is on a journey. Maybe he's gone somewhere. Maybe he's not around. Or perhaps he's asleep and must be awakened. And they cried aloud and cut themselves after their custom with swords and lances until the blood gushed out upon them. And as midday passed, they raved on until the time of the offering of oblation. But there was no voice, no one answered, no one paid attention. Lesson learned here and there. Man, if you're an idol worshiper, if you're limping with God, you worship God to some point on Sunday, and the rest of the week you're living for yourself, you're living for your job, you're living for money, you're living for power, you're living for your idol. Your idol may be a, a vice, your idol may be a game, your idol may be gambling, your idol may be golf, it may be fishing, it may be getting ahead, making more money than anybody else, but you've got an idol. Your idol is your children. Your idol is your way of life. Your idol is your house. Your idol is your cars. Your idol is your banking account. Your idol is always what you live for. It's what you think about most. It's what you're passionate about. It's what moves you. It's what stokes you. It's what fires you up. Jesus is not the one that fires you up. God above is not the one that fires you up. The things of the kingdom is not the thing that fires you up. And you find yourself over and over and over, no one answering, no one paying attention, no voice. That's the lesson here. God of the Baal, the Baal God, Baal himself did not show up because he is not alive. He is a dead God and idols are dead gods. So now it's Elijah's turn, verse 30. Then Elijah said to all the people, come near to me, and all the people came near to him. Now that's more guts, isn't it? They all came to him, and he repaired the altar of the Lord that had been thrown down. Elijah took 12 stones, according to the number of the tribes of the sons of Jacob, to whom the word of the Lord came, saying, Israel shall be your name, and with the stones he built an altar in the name of the Lord, and he made a trench about the altar. 
as great as would contain two seas of seed. And he put the wood in order and cut the bull in pieces and laid it on the wood, just like they did, except for the trench. Listen to what he says here. Remember, it hadn't rained for three years. Fill four jars with water and pour it on the burnt offering and on the wood. Make it harder. Make God more glorious. And he said, do it a second time. And they did it a second time. And he said, do it a third time. And they did it a third time. And the water ran around the altar and filled the trench also with water. They poured a lot of water on the altar. Why is he wasting the water, people thought, I'm sure. My stars, that's more water we've seen in a long time. What in the world's going on here? Boy, he's really, he's really putting it to the Baal prophets, isn't he? I mean, he's really putting it in their face. Verse 36, and at the time of the offering of the oblation, oblation means offering to the Lord. Elijah the prophet came near and said, O Lord, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known this day that you are God. Hmm. You remember the Baal prophets? They cried. They moaned. They shouted. They danced. They limped around the altar all day long. And Elijah, his prayer is really different than their prayer. His prayer is, O Lord, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known this day that you are God in Israel and that I am your servant and that I have done all these things at your word. Answer me, O Lord. Answer me that this people may know that you, O Lord, are God, and that you have turned their hearts back. That's it. It's three points to his prayer. A simple prayer, not really emotional, not a little extracurriculum going on with his prayer. He's not making a show of things. Once again, Elijah doesn't make a show of things. Elijah confronts idolatry. Elijah does what God says. Elijah just shows up. He's not afraid of anybody. He just simply speaks the word of the Lord. And his prayer shows that. First of all, let it be known that you are God. That's what I'm after here today, Lord. Let it be known that you're God. Let it be known that I'm your servant. Because if they know that you are God, they will know that I'm your servant. They will know that all is good. And answer so the people will know that you are God. That's what he prays here. Answer me, in verse 37, the Lord answer me that this people may know that you, Lord, are God and that you have turned their hearts back. Look what happened in verse 38. Then the fire of the Lord fell. We sung about that today. Then the fire of the Lord fell. Then the fire of the Lord fell. Only one prayer, not seven hours, not eight hours, not past midday, only a three-level prayer. Help them to see that you are God. Help them to see that I'm your prophet and help them to see, just help them to see that these people will know who you are, God. It's all, I just want you to be glorified. I just want you to be respected. I just want you to be honored, God. 
show up here, show them. Remember, there's bull meat on that altar, there's wood on that altar, and there's lots of water. He water-soaked the offering, and fire fell. Then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt offering, and the wood, and the stones, and the dust, and licked up the water that was in the trench. That's a powerful fire. The Bible tells us that God is a fire and consumes everything. If you want to know what God is like, think about this fire that burns up everything, consumes everything. I mean, that's, that's who they're messing with here. Almighty God. I mean, how can you worship idols when there's Almighty God? How can you worship money when God can consume this altar like this, when fire can fall from heaven? How can we have all these idols? How can we, how can we you know, tickle their ears and, 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 and just try them out a little bit and just dabble here and there with idolatry and not being wholeheartedly all for God when fire can fall from heaven at any moment and consume whatever he desires to consume? It's God Almighty we're dealing with here. It's God who is alive. It's God who's created. It's God who is of the greatest power there is in all the universe. You shouldn't take God ever lightly. You shouldn't take God ever for granted. It's God for God's sakes. And fire fell from heaven and not only burned up the offering, but it was so hot, it just, it just steamed the water. Can you imagine that meat being steamed? And when all the people saw it, they fell on their knees and said, The Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. And Elijah said to them, verse 40. Yeah, this makes us real uncomfortable, doesn't it? But this is in verse 40. This is what happened. Enough was enough. They had their chance. They had their opportunity. They didn't turn to God. They didn't repent. And here's what happened. And Elijah said to them, seize the prophets of Baal, let not one of them escape. Can you imagine the Baal prophets after the fire falls? Oh, oh, we made a mistake. Remember Indiana Jones when they opened the Ark of the Covenant and it, you remember that? I believe that's how some of them looked. And Elijah said to them, seize the prophets of Baal, let not one of them escape. And they seized them. And Elijah brought them down to the brook Kishon and slaughtered them there. Slaughtered them there. I'll never forget. One time in Israel, we're driving down Mount Carmel, getting to the valley of Kidron, and the guide said, there is the creek Kishon. I just went, oh my gosh. To me, it was crazier than Mount Carmel. This is where it happened. His long here somewhere, he slaughters them all. Now, what do we think about that? Well, let's not get caught up in that. It's almighty God. He can do whatever he wants to do. Did he kill them all? Yes. Is he serious about idolatry? Yes. Is he serious about sin? Yes. He will judge all sin. We ought to be shaking our boots. We ought to be concerned. I'm here to tell you, if you haven't believed in Jesus, you you need to believe in Jesus because he will judge all sin. And either Jesus paid the price of your sin on the cross or you're going to pay the price of your sin. 
And if you're lollygallying, if you're shilly-shallying, if you're just kind of, you know, just gently, just sort of thinking about this Christian thing, man, you're making a mistake. You're gambling with eternity. I mean, either Jesus paid the price of your sin. I'm going to say it again. Either Jesus paid the price of your sin and he took on himself your judgment, what you deserve to be judged on, or you're going to face it. And when you think about all these people dying, you go, well, that, that, that's not my truth. It, get over it. It's got to be your truth. It's all of eternity. He killed them all. He wiped them out. No more bell prophets in the land. God is not by any means going to overlook the sin of man. There will be judgment. And I think that's one of the lessons we have in the story of Elijah. Verses 20 through 40, what's some lessons for us? Number one, with God no matter, not, no matter what, with God no matter what, we are never outnumbered. We are never outnumbered. You may be all alone at work. You may be all alone at school. You may be all, all alone in your neighborhood. There may be no one that believes in Christ, believes in God, in your family. You're not all alone. Stand strong for God. Live out your faith. Live boldly for him. Number two, we ain't got to get all worked up with prayer. We ain't got to get all gyrating. We ain't got to jump pews. We ain't got to go nuts with prayer. That's what we see here. Just pray with faith. Pray boldly. Pray in faith, believing God to do what only God wants to do. Pray according to the will of God. Make everybody know that you're God, Lord. May everybody know I'm your prophet. And may everybody turn back to you because you're God. Simple prayer of belief. Another lesson we have here, fire fell when God chose for fire to fall. Number four, idolatry will be judged. You can't go very far in the scripture and not go, yep, idolatry will be judged. What did you learn from today's scripture? Idolatry will be judged. It doesn't matter who, instates, who, inst who puts it in place. Sin will be judged. Idolatry will be judged. But another lesson here I learned from the faith of Elijah a lesson that is deep in me. It, 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 it shook my, my core a little bit this week thinking about it. The faith that you live by better be good enough to die by. The faith that you live by better be good enough to die by. And so the question is, the faith that you're living by today, is it good enough to to face God at judgment with. In other words, what kind of faith is it? Casual faith? Opportunity faith? Only when you need it faith? When everybody else has got it faith? Or is it the kind of faith that from your core just completely guides your everything. 
It's saving faith. It's meeting God faith. It's the kind of faith you have, you need when you die. And there's something else in this story that I think is really apparent there in verse 20 for sure, but also throughout this story. I mean, basically what Elijah's doing goes, let's see who God is. And your opinion should match your practice, and your practice should match your opinion. I mean, what your opinion is should be how you live, right? That's what pretty much he's saying here. How come you're limping between two opinions here? That's what he says to him. And, and, and here's, here's what makes sense to me. Here's what we need to hear from this story. If, if, if I was, you know, in, boxed into only one thing that I'm going to mention from this story, only one thing, not many reasons, not many ideas, just one thing, here it is. If Jesus is alive, then get on with it. Right? If Jesus is alive, if Jesus died on the cross, was buried, dead, and rose from the grave, and if he is still alive today, and your opinion that Jesus is alive, I mean, you celebrate Easter, you celebrate Easter, you say Jesus is alive. Is, if, if Jesus is alive, does your practice show that Jesus is alive? If Jesus is alive, get on with it. I mean, if you're held back by fear, worry, resentment, bitterness, grudge holding, just lay that idea over all those behaviors, all those attitudes, all, all that mess. Is Jesus alive? If Jesus is alive, then come on, let's go. Let's get on with it. He's alive. He's alive in every situation. He's alive in every problem. He is alive. It don't matter what we're going through. If Jesus is alive, then our practice should show that. I mean, how are you going to get over this problem? I don't know, but Jesus is alive. How are you going to face this problem? Like Jesus is alive. I'm going to pray like Jesus is alive. What are you going to pray for? Well, I don't know, but I'm going to talk to him because he's alive. I'm going to face trial, tribulation, problem, world situation, worldview, all this craziness we are bombarded with today. How are you going to deal with transgender? Jesus is alive. He made man and woman. There can't, I mean, if, if someone is born a girl and wants to be a man or is born a man and wants to be, that's, that's against what I believe because that goes against what God has done. And I'm not going to be on that side. I'm not going to join the 450 bales. It may seem like we're outnumbered. It may seem like we need to have same-sex bathrooms, that, that we need to be more uh, milk toast with all this craziness out there, that we don't need to be people of conviction, that people of heart, and people say there's only one way of salvation, there's only one way to live. But let me tell you something. The problem with that is Jesus is alive. And since he's alive, what he's had to say is true. And, and I don't buy this. You have your truth and I have mine. My truth is truth. It's the words of God. And I'm not going to gamble like the 450 Baal prophets did. I don't want to go to the creek of Kishon. I don't want to face the creek of Kishon. I ain't going. I'm believing. I'm trusting. 
You, you, can, you can lock me away. You can put a straitjacket on me. You can throw me in prison. You can burn me at the stake. Oh, I don't want to go by being burned. If, if they're starting to burn me, someone shoot me. Please shoot me. Don't let them burn me. I just think about all that fat dripping off and all that sweat coming up there. Don't want to face that. Maybe some good ribs, though, hadn't it? That may be some tasty ribs. We had a rib barbecue the night, and Lee won. No, I mean, Lee actually won. It was literally his ribs, and they were really good. They were marbled lovely. Ah, uh, don't know how we got to that. I agree that we should not have got to that. I apologize. Charles Spurgeon said, I am with you always is enough for my soul to live upon no matter who forsakes me. That man was something else. He was brilliant. I am with you always is enough for my soul to live upon no matter who forsakes me. The only way he could have said that is, Jesus is alive. Matt talked about revival a while ago. We sang. Well, that was powerful for me. That was really beautiful. Hearing you sing. Today we've sung about the, he, because he lives, I can face tomorrow. We, we sung today that, man, our sin is great. Many is our sins, but boy, his mercy. We've sung about that today. Isn't that great? Isn't that wonderful? He talked about revival, talked about renewal. Man, it begins with us in the house of God. It begins here. This is where revival needs to begin. It needs to begin in your heart. Your heart. It needs to begin in your heart, in my heart. Confess all known sin. Confess all your sin to the Lord today. Get rid of anything questionable, anything doubtful in your life because Jesus is alive. Don't, if you think something may not be right, get rid of it. If you think something may not be God-pleasing, get rid of it. If you think some behavior is, you know, you, 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 you're not really quite sure. You're not sure you're holding a grudge, but perhaps you are holding a grudge. Get rid of that grudge. Whatever it is, get rid of that. Whatever the bitterness is, whatever the negativity is coming from, whatever it is, whatever's souring you to be all about God, get rid of it and see what God will do. Confess all no sin. Get rid of anything questionable in your life. Obey the Holy Spirit immediately, every time. Obey the Holy Spirit. When the Lord speaks to you, obey it. When he says, when he says, put away all idols, put away all idols. Put it away, put it away, put it away. Repent of it, throw them away. Get rid of them. Be intentional, be consistent with it. No idolatry in our lives, only God. We only worship God. We only live for God. We are not limping between two worlds. And openly, publicly, Jesus is confessed in this world. Openly, openly, publicly, out in the open, no hidden. Jesus is professed. He's Lord. He's alive. How are you doing today, Leah? Didn't find Jesus alive. What's going on in your world today? I don't guess rocky top things going on, but Jesus is alive. Jesus is alive. There's some issues. There's some hang-ups. There's some problems. 
there's some, there's some things I, quite, I don't quite know, but I believe, and Jesus is alive. Publicly confess. Do those four things. See if God doesn't bring about a revival. Let's see if fire doesn't fall from heaven. Let's see. Let's see. Help us to learn from this story today, Lord. Help us to repent. Help us to confess. Put away anything doubtful. Help us, O oh Lord, to obey you meekly. Help us, Lord, to just openly, publicly confess that Jesus is Lord. Lord, is there any idolatry in our life? May it be removed. In Jesus' name, amen. Ushers, please come forward.